Once a year we throw a party here in town. Once a year we turn our Paris upside down. Ah! Hiya! Hiya! Thank you, thank you, and thank you! <laughs> Did you remember to turn off those robots? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time to clap your paws, stomp your hooves, and ruffle your feathers. W Radio, your information station. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 352 for the week of March 2nd, 2014. I'm here to help you have the best possible Disney vacation experience and bring you a little bit of Disney magic wherever you are with this podcast, my videos, blog, live broadcasts, special events, my Walt Disney World trivia books, CDs, and my new book, 102 Ways to Save Money for and at Walt Disney World, you can find it all over at www.radio.com and my new site, Disney102.com. This week, join me as we explore, uncover, debunk, or confirm some of our favorite Disney urban legends in our top 10 myths of Walt Disney World. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week and pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package, including my new book, then stay tuned, I'll have some updates and announcements, including information about upcoming events in Walt Disney World and around the country, so sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. Hi, this is Lou Mangello, and for nearly 10 years, I've shared my passion for all things Walt Disney World in an effort to bring you some Disney magic wherever you are in a variety of ways. And I started out by writing the books I wanted to read, my first two Walt Disney World trivia books, and I promise a third one is on the way. And then I went on to start writing articles and podcasting and doing videos, live broadcasts, live special events and meetups. I published a magazine. And I even continue to take the show literally on the road to meet and get to know as many of you as possible. And for the past decade, there's been one question, one problem, one request for help that I get more than anything else. And I think there's one that's usually in the mind of every person planning a Walt Disney World vacation. And so the idea for something I called 102 was born. Because bringing the family to Walt Disney World is something that so many people dream about and plan for and save toward. And the one question that I continue to get is always something like, I hear that a trip to Walt Disney World can be so expensive, how do I save money at Walt Disney World? Well, for the past year, I've been working on trying to help solve that problem so that anybody and everybody can have a truly magical vacation. But I don't just have one answer, I have 102. So I'm excited to announce my latest project, 102 Ways to Save Money for and at Walt Disney World. It's a 197-page book that can be instantly downloaded to your computer, iPad, iPhone, Kindle, Nook, any reader, and it's also coming to the Kindle and iBook store as well, too. In this comprehensive, detailed guide, 
I give you 102 different ways that you can have the most incredible Disney vacation without breaking the bank. And I promise you that you can have the Disney vacation you envision for your family at a rate that's a lot more affordable than you might have expected. In fact, I even guarantee it. I'm so certain this guy's going to help you save money that I will give you a personal money-back guarantee. If you are unable to save at least the cost of the guide after reading the book, I will gladly give you the purchase price back. The book includes not just easy-to-follow practical tips, tools, and advice, but links to relevant websites and podcasts and videos, as well as anecdotes, trivia, and beautiful images throughout. So whether you're planning your first Walt Disney World vacation or have been there dozens of times, you're guaranteed to have a more budget-friendly experience whether you're going solo, with a friend, or bringing the entire family. Now, included in this book are money-saving strategies for everything from saving money before you go to staying at a Walt Disney World Resort hotel, saving on dining, souvenirs, experiences, and so much more. And in addition to the tips, I also have 40 things you can experience, enjoy, do, eat, and collect for free. The book is a perfect investment for those who are thinking about giving their family the vacation of a lifetime. It is the authoritative guide to a budget family vacation. It's a one-stop handbook for practical information, easy to read, active, clickable links throughout, as well as step-by-step how-tos. It covers every part of the vacation, even before you start planning. And because it's an ebook, you can take it with you wherever you go, including to the parks. You can learn more, see sample pages, and instantly download 102 ways to save money for and at Walt Disney World by visiting the website over at Disney102.com. And if you like the book, all I ask is that you please help spread the word, tell your friends, post a link to Disney102.com on Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram. And if you're a blogger or a podcaster, want to review copy, let me know. Email me at lou at wdwradio.com and I'll send you right away. Thank you so very much for your time and your attention. I hope you enjoy my latest project, 102 Ways to Save Money for and at Walt Disney World. Story. It's what Disney is based on. From the films to the attractions to the characters which occupy them both, the fantasy worlds that are created for us are rooted in solid, detailed, wonderful, and often beautiful story. But some of these fantasy stories are also rooted in reality, while some others are not. And some stories, which we may believe to be true, some others might be more myth and legend based than are based in fact. And so you may be thinking that I'm talking about tales of dragons or pirates or princesses or even talking toys. No, instead I'm talking about the stories that haunt us, that make us think and wonder and share tales as if we were campers around a fire. These are the urban legends of Walt Disney World. You've heard many before, you may have even shared some of them with your friends, but this week we're going to look at the top 10 urban legends and myths of Walt Disney World, and we'll let you know if they're true. And someone else who's part myth, like the mighty Minotaur, Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, the Chupacabra, or 
a Philadelphia Eagle with a Super Bowl ring, I present to you, ladies and gentlemen, Tim Bananas Foster from Celebrations Magazine and GuideToTheMagic.com. All right, first of all, my feet are size 11, so they're not big. <laughs> and <What>? second of all, <laughs> I, if you have three rings. I can't say anything about that. So. I couldn't think of a Disney reference, so I had to go to, to the Philadelphia Eagles. So. <laughs> Well, thanks for reminding me. Hey, we made the playoffs. Uh, what did, listen. What did you do? Listen, let's not. Uh, let's, let's, All right, but, but yeah, let's let's move on because let's I, let's move on to interesting. Things. This is um, it's funny because we've actually talked about this, you and I, uh, yes. about this topic for a long, long time, right? And look, these stories we, we've all heard them. We've all yes. heard these stories. Some are are wildly outlandish. Some are just sort of plausible enough to be true. Right? Some are grounded in fact. Others are just sort of rumors that have propagated over time, become legendary, uh, even part of, of the culture. Right, So like some of those mm-hmm. myths actually do become true, like Gus, Ezra, and Phineas were never really the names of the hitchhiking ghosts, but the cast members gave them names, and, and eventually they became adopted because this, this rumor and this myth and this story was so ingrained in culture that it was – sort of formally and officially adopted as true, but there's so many of these, and and Tim, we've all been there before, where we're sitting on a bus or we're standing in a queue or we're on a monorail and we hear someone, we hear a guest sort of telling the tale to the the young lad on his knee or a cast member, dare I say, sharing it over the, the, the PA of a friendship boat and uh, I'm sure sometimes you either laugh, you cry, you knowing you, you you jump up and down and, and insist that uh, yeah. you need to you need to that clarify one. the story. So I think talking about like Lou, top- how often can you screw it up, Lou? What are you talking? <laughs> Tim does not love funnel cake for the love of everything. Stop saying so. So and so when you hear, let me ask you this before we get yeah. started. So there's little Timmy Foster eating yep. his funnel cake on the monorail, yep. and he hears someone telling his children, children, Ooh. come sit around, come talk to your father. Ooh. I want to tell you the tale of such and such. And you just know it to be so egregious, so uh, wrong. You don't want these kids' futures to be dominated by, by lies and misinformation. Do you gently correct the father? Do you let it go? Do you laugh it off? How do you sort of handle it when you hear it in the parks? Well, I've been kicked off the monorail many times for starting ruckus. It's like, yeah, you're a real rabble, you're a rabble rouser. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I know you've run into, I know you've told me you've run, you've heard cast members pass on things you know darn well aren't true. I don't know. It's I think you mostly hang your toe. You don't want to to uh, to uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You don't, well, you don't you don't embarrass them, right? I, I don't right. want to embarrass them. I don't want to show up the dad, but. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, well, you know, but if you do it right, it's a nice way to start a conversation. But yeah, but, yeah, there, no. there's there. I think there is a way that yeah. you could potentially um, address it without being rude. Well, and as I tell one of the stories, I'll I'll share one of the ones that I heard, which I thought was just kind of funny. But I, I, as always, uh, because you are um, because you're older and my guest, I want you to go first. Old, I am. All right, let's see. Uh, what am I going to start with here? I, I'm going to. This is. I'm going to start with an easy one. I don't know if I. I'm getting this one out of the way because I don't know if I would call it an urban myth so much, but it's a piece of information that I ran across in putting uh, one of the last issues of Celebrations together. 
And I saw it propagated all over the internet. So I thought this would be a great time to set the record straight. So we're going to – where is this place? It's in Tomorrowland. That's right. <laughs> now, for, for those people who are listening, we don't go over these lists ahead of time. So I literally – I have no idea where you're going. Now, this is – again, it's not really a miss so much. It's just some misinformation. And it, actually it's, it's a more impressive fact than most people even think it is. And I'm talking about the Carousel of Progress. And I'm talking about its originations in the 1964-65 World's Fair as Progress Land. And the piece of information that is out there, and that we almost had the magazine till I noticed it didn't look quite right, goes something along the lines of this. Um, of course, for those, uh, I, we won't explain the whole World's Fair concept for, for those who don't know what we're talking about. I'm sure everyone knows what we're talking about. Very briefly, Walt Disney had a lot to do with that and uh, provided many of the attractions that were there, including Progress Land, Carousel of Progress, It's a Small World, and other things. Now, for Carousel of Progress or Progress Land, the claim or the number that's thrown out there was that 4,500 people visited the attraction every day, which meant 16 million people saw it through the entire two-year run of the show. Impressive, right? Most impressive. Very impressive. Until I looked at it and did the math sort of and went, wait a minute, that's um, not right. So I pulled out my handy-dandy calculator. 4,500 people a day is only 3 million people. And I said, well, wait a minute. There's something wrong here. And I Googled around and looked and looked. And the number 4,500 per day is everywhere. A lot of people have it on their website. I was fortunate enough to find an original from the World's Fair document, press release sort of thing. And somebody dropped a zero somewhere along the way. So the actual fact, which I will share with you, is it wasn't 4,500 people per day. It was 45,000 people per day, which was 250 people every four minutes. And that adds up to 16 million people that saw the Carousel of Progress, a.k.a. Progress Land. So I'm setting the record straight. See, it's an even more impressive fact than you even thought it was before. Well, when you said 4,500. It's probably one nobody even knew about in the first place. I, but it's out there a lot, and I thought this would be a good time to correct it. So. Yeah, so the, the 4,500, I was like, you know, that's not a lot of people. You know, no, I didn't. Disney is incredibly. Like a lot, but then, you know. Yeah, they're, they're incredibly efficient about getting people through attractions. And, and throughput is how they sort of move guests. And the 6465 World's Fair was a great testing and proving ground for being able to do that. And I said, you know, 4,500, that's not a lot of people in a, in a day. There's a lot of empty cars and empty boats and empty theaters with, with a small yeah. number like that. So I'm glad yeah. to see that your, that your abacus still works well. You can't run that math thing by me. I got, my, I got good book learning. <laughs> so I was trying to think where I wanted to start. You know, for me, was it, do I start with the... The, the, the biggest, most egregious, the most common, the one that I hear uh, most often, uh, the one that I get questions about. And I thought, for me, I would start sort of in the middle, right? I, I would start in the See, middle. I went hors d'oeuvre first, so you can... Well, start. I'm going... I, I'm going to serve you up the big enchilada right uh, here, oh. because when you close your eyes, Tim, little Timmy Foster, and you yeah. cuddle up in your bed, and you think of Walt Disney World... After you're done thinking about creamed spinach, you probably think of Cinderella Castle. Of course. Right. 
You also probably think of summertime hurricanes in, in oh, Florida, yeah. of which we have not that many, but they, they do happen. I've Florida. been through one down there. And it's not a pretty sight. It is not a pretty sight. Uh, Florida is the lightning and hurricane capital of the United States. And but thank goodness they can do what I think you're about to say. Right. So, of course, yeah. Disney, in their infinite wisdom in yes. the late 1960s, while building Cinderella Castle, mm-hmm. it would make perfect sense to me, Foster. Yep. That, hey, we know that hurricanes are coming. We need to prepare. So the myth and the urban legend is Cinderella Castle, in the event of a hurricane, can be very quickly broken down and disassembled so as not to be damaged. Yeah. It makes perfect sense, doesn't it? It's true. It's not. Oh. Believe it or not. (laughs) It is not true. I did say it. And and the thing about a lot of these, excuse me, Tim, is if you start to sort of talk it out, you can understand why these legends aren't true, right? To mm-hmm. disassemble the castle is not like, oh, a hurricane's coming, we can take this down. Remember, that this structure is 600 tons of steel frame with reinforced concrete, not a lot of fiberglass, right? They, they built this castle, you know, not just to Florida code, but above and beyond what the code in Florida actually would have required. So these these towers that people think could be easily removed were lifted up by crane and bolted and welded permanently to the structure, right? So there's no possible way that it could be moved or taken apart in the event of a hurricane. It would take months to disassemble it, right? It, think about it. If a hurricane's coming, the last thing you want to do is wheel out a 300-foot crane into the middle of the park in these windy conditions <laughs> It's easier to keep it inside. So rather than saying, let's just make this like a Lego that we could take apart, they built it to withstand 110, 120 mile, whatever it is, wind speeds in central Florida, right? They, they built it like the fortress that it looks to be so it can withstand the hurricane force winds. They should just push a button and let it sink into the... It sinks into, yeah. into the... And it, you know, yeah. it's funny because... I remember a long time ago, we were talking about quick stories. Um, yeah. I, I was giving a tour uh, to a family, and as I was bringing them up towards Cinderella Castle, I wanted to explain you know, how it was created. And, and there was kids there, and I always asked the same question. Oh, how many stones were used to build Cinderella Castle? And many people know the answer, which is, of course, zero, right? Because it's concrete and fiberglass. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, one of the kids says, oh, I don't know. There's this and there's that money. And I said, well, no, actually, there were no stones to use, use to build Cinderella Castle. And the mom, or this other woman, starts shaking her head back and forth, like, no. And I, and I laughed. Uh-oh. I was like, oh. I said, I said, no, really. I said, it's actually, you know, fire. And she keeps shaking her head, no. She goes, no, you're wrong. I said, I'm, so, I'm, I said, I'm sorry? She says, you're wrong. I said, about what part? She goes, about no stones. She said there are 375,516 stones used to build Cinderella Castle. Like it what? was not it wasn't a guess. Like she knew that's the number, man. Like she's got it. And I said, "Oh, well, I said maybe that's actually maybe what it appears to look like." And she sh- as I'm talking, she's still shaking her head no. She says, "You're wrong." And now I'm in a very awkward position, right? I don't want to disagree with this woman. I said, "Well, and so we start walking closer, 
and we're walking up to the bridge that goes over the moat, and I'm literally knocking on the, the, the fiberglass. <laughs> I said, if you kind of look, it really, they're not really, you know, stones and mortar and, and and she says, you're wrong. She says, Lou, there are 357,526 stones that were used to build it. And I'm like, listen, I can start chipping away at the fiberglass. And I said, and at one point I said, you know what? I says, I'm sorry. I says, my, my information must be inaccurate. I, I, like, what else do you say? At that point, I, I said, you know, I said, I'll, I'll, I'll have to double check. She says, yeah, you, you've been telling people. You've been double checking. You've been telling. So Lou Mangello has been propagating the wrong information, but really has no stones in it where did all, she so. even get that number <laughs> I, have, I, I did not know <laughs> I, I don't know i know how many bricks it took to complete the american adventure <laughs> Three hundred twenty-seven thousand five hundred twenty-six. no one one to complete it oh, that's yeah. a joke oh, <laughs> tour guide caught a tour guide caught me with that one please move on uh let's see um well, hey, since we're talking of uh, well-intentioned mommies, <laughs> I'll, I'll actually jump to mind that actually it stemmed from a similar situation. Um, I was taking a uh, group of families and kids around Epcot doing a Guide to the Magic for Kids tour where, uh, parenthetically, I'll add, because it's just a funny story. I took them through a uh, journey into imagination and we exited and we were standing right at the front or right as we went into image works and I had a bunch of quiz questions and we would get stickers and so forth and asked everybody what color were Frigman's eyes and everybody got it right because I was standing right in front of the big picture of Figment that you see when you come out of the attraction. I didn't even know it. So that has no bearing on the story I'm about to tell, but I thought it was a funny <laughs> so. So as we exited the Imagination Pavilion, we were making our way towards the, I think it was the seas with Nemo and friends at the time. I think the change had taken place. So we're walking through the courtyard where the plaques are for the various inventors and scientific achievements throughout the years. And we're walking through the middle. And one of the mothers of one of the children remarked to me, oh, did you know that's the center of Walt Disney World right there? And I didn't know that. I never heard that. And I went, really? Right there? She said, yeah. I said, well, that's cool. So we continued on our merry way. And I was eager to share this factoid with the rest of us. I think I told you, actually, or somebody. And you kind of, you or somebody. I'll say it's you. It's more fun this way. You, sh you closed your eyes and shook your head and stared at me. Um, I, I don't know how prevalent this myth still is. But I still see it a lot that... The center of that courtyard, the myth is that that is the center of the entirety of Walt Disney World. And it is, in fact, nowhere near close to the center of Walt Disney World. As far as I can tell, the center of Walt Disney World would be off in the woods to the right as you're taking the monorail up to the Magic Kingdom. And maybe an armadillo put a pile of rocks up there. I don't know. <laughs> but there's nothing there. And for that matter, the center of Epcot itself, which you think might be a reasonable mishearing of the information, if you stood there, you'd probably be wet because I think you'd be in World Showcase Lagoon. So that is not the center of Walt Disney World. It is not the center of Epcot. It's not 
really the center of anything except for that little courtyard in of itself. And maybe you know, I don't know where that myth originated or came from or started. But it, it got legs because you'll, you'll find that in a lot of places still. Well, I, I think it's one of those things that – because you, you hear <clears> – <throat> excuse me. <clears throat> sorry. You, you hear about this a lot. And, and sometimes it's the discoveries thing in, in Epcot. Sometimes it's a survey marker that somebody says, oh, mm -hmm. this is the one only survey marker. Right. I, I've always had a, a little bit of pause when I've heard that. Again, not to contradict anybody because – by its very definition, the word center is sort of difficult, I think, to apply to a place with this very sort of amorphous shape like Walt right. Disney World. It is not a circle, right? So there is no sort of equidistant point from all from the edge of property, right? It's not a place where diagonals intersect from all the different four corners of property because there are no four corners of property, right? So right. I don't know how any place could be the geographic center, um, but – that being said, I'm not one to pick nits or It's a fight. cute story. It's a cute but, uh, story, but... But the funny thing is, as far as... Yeah, I, 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 it was funny because I Google map earthed Walt Disney World just to kind of eyeball where it was. And you're right, it's hard to because there's no real end. You know, do I count the parking lot? Do I count the... Do I count where they hide the fireworks? I don't know, but... You know, are we using the sort of... Are, are we using the boundaries that are set up yeah. of the Reedy Creek Improvement District or, you know, how do some of the but, other areas that they own, right? How does it... Yeah. But no matter what, the, the middle is clearly in the middle of nothing. Where they're building my private hotel, as far as I... <laughs> not done yet, so... All right, so let's uh, you know, let's go from story to story, um, okay? Because this one is going to lead me to um, to another one, and and it it was one that I've heard so often and heard firsthand that it actually helped predicate a, a show that we did about that was sort of the, the impetus was this urban legend. Mm. So uh, turn the wayback machine back a few years, and I'm with a a very good friend of mine on. The friendship boats in Epcot Center, and it's lightning out. And when it, it's lightning, they can't move the boats. And we were sitting there waiting for the storm to pass, as they are want to happen here in Florida. And Tim Foster, I, I applaud the cast member, excellent ah. cast member, takes it up upon himself and gets up and starts regaling us with stories of Walt Disney World and bits of information and trivia. Uh oh. And I love it because he's engaging the guests. He's keeping them occupied. Everybody's having a good time. And I'm chatting with my friend, not really paying attention, until I hear uh, uh -oh. from my, my peripheral audio, <laughs> I hear him say, because yes, when Walt Disney was designing Epcot Center, and I, and I looked, and he says, yeah, it, he it, wanted to put World Showcase some, somewhere else. And I went, and I kind of looked at him, and I was like, oh, all right. I mean, you know what? It's not a big deal. It's sort of a, just a, you know, he sort of misspoke. I'm going to let it go. You and wanted goes, to put it where? <laughs> I, I don't know. But he was talking about, you know, Walt Disney and his designs for, you know, Epcot Center and Future oh, World oh. And, and things like that. Not Epcot right, the right. city. He was talking about Epcot the theme park. Obviously, mm -hmm. the story, you know, never took place because Walt had passed uh, long before. So yeah. he was talking, <clears throat> excuse me, about... The uh, the hotels in the area and how the park and the the property was look very different. And in fact, you know, at, at one point the monorail was supposed to extend not just to Epcot Center but to all the other resorts. And in fact, if you look behind me at the Swan and Dolphin, that's why those big black squares are there. 
Oh no. So now we <laughs> now I stop and I let him go, right? And he's mm-hmm. continuing to tell the stories about the monorail there. And I'm looking at my friend and, and my friend is laughing like at me because he knows that we know the story, but we certainly don't want to, you know, embarrass him or or, or, right. or you know make him lose any of his credibility. And he looks down at me and he laughs. He goes, Oh, what are you, Mr. Disney trivia guy or something? <laughs> <laughs> Well, <laughs> so, I just so I it made me laugh even more, and you know, I, I didn't say anything. My friend was, I think, I think he needed to change his pants at that point. But <laughs> the point of the story was to get to the point of the story, uh, and I never said anything. By the way, um, I actually yes. thanked him on the way out as we finally. I said, "Hey, thank you very much." By the way, for for sharing those stories, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> I was not laughing at you. So let's talk about uh, the big elephant in the room, the big black squares on the Walt Disney World Swan and Dolphin Hotel. He was partially correct, right? There was a time when the, there were plans to extend the monorail to now what is uh, downtown Disney. But, Tim, this is a story that we hear all the time. It is <clears> one that is propagated everywhere. And, again, if you sort of think about it and sort of dissect a little bit, you'll see why it's not true. Right, so the story is is that those two big black squares on the Swan and Dolphin hotels right off of, of Crescent Lake by uh, by Epcot mm-hmm. are, are one of two things, right? Either one, there are empty spaces behind there, the sort of just big empty spaces, and that black square can sort of be, you know, unscrewed and just pulled out and let the monorail pass through. Sure, we we'll toss it in with the top of the castle. Absolutely, why not? In the back, in the back of the. As soon as that hurricane comes, you just like a couple of Phillips head screwdriver, and sure. you're good. Sure. There's another version that says that well, there's sort of temporary rooms. There are rooms in there, but like something else, it could sort of just be slid out when it need when it it needs to. And unfortunately, this is very, very, very not true. And I'm going to give you like seven different reasons why. I mean, here's here's sort of the the, the fact of the matter is is Michael Graves was the architect who designed these hotels. When he creates different building facades, and you can see this in some of his other work, he uses different colors right, or different materials or different textures to break up the flat look and, and the surface of the facades. But notwithstanding that, let's look at the black squares themselves. First of all, if you look at the swan and the dolphin, each of the squares are different sizes. The swan is about five stories tall, the dolphin is like eight or nine stories tall. First of all, if you were going to have a monorail go through, they don't need to be nearly that high, certainly, correct? Well, that would be fun, though. It would be. I would ride it then. <laughs> well, it you also – you probably wouldn't like this part because they're also – the elevations are very different. So the swan oh. is only about seven stories up, about ten stories up on the dolphin. So there would be quite a big incline going from one to the next, right? The beam would have to be huge, too high probably. It would probably actually be too high to – with to hold the monorail up. And if you look at the buildings themselves, there's no place to put a monorail station. The buildings just don't have enough depth depth to them, right? You can't put a station in there. It's not like the contemporary where you have this long sort of corridor or the, the Polynesian or the Grand Flirting where you have this exterior area that should be putting a, a monorail station in. And if you think about the, the, the structure of the buildings themselves now, if there was an empty space there or they pulled it out, Think about how that would affect the hallways and the elevators, right? You'd be cutting off the hallways completely, right? So, and just from a design perspective, like, why would he paint them black anyway? Like, 
he could just paint it like a regular hotel and still unscrew it and pull it out when he needed to. It really is just an artistic thing. Again, look at some of the other things that uh, that Michael Graves has done, and you'll see that he's got like black squares on facades and different colors and things like that. So for, for so, so many reasons, it doesn't make sense. It makes for a great story, and it would be pretty cool to have the monorail reaching out to there and going through some of the hotels like it does at the Contemporary, but the black squares on the Swan and Dolphin were never intended to be for a monorail stop or a monorail pass-through. Awesome. I'm disappointed, but awesome. <laughs> Let's God, see. if there was a monorail to Blue Zoo, you, oh my God, that would be awesome. Anyway, Blue Zoo. <laughs> <laughs> I know, wait, uh, food. Oh no, you, you brought up funnel cake earlier. Never mind. <laughs> uh, let's see. I'm going to go. All right. Now, for those who don't know, uh, well, <laughs> you teased me about this in the beginning, but I'm from the neighborhood of Philadelphia. I'm sorry. No, don't apologize. It's not your fault. City of brotherly love, birth of our nation, everything else. So there's actually the next two that I'm going to do. I'm bringing out the big guns. These have to do with Liberty Square. Hmm. A couple different things in Liberty Square. First one I'm going to talk about is something near and dear to my heart as a Philly boy, the Liberty Bell. And as we all hopefully know, there is a Liberty Bell in Liberty Square in the Magic Kingdom. And among other things, it has Pennsylvania spelled wrong, but that's another story. Um, it's not spelled wrong. They just spelled it different. Um, but uh, the origination of the Liberty Bell has uh, spawned a great myth that again, it's propagating all over the Internet. And there's actually two stories. One is true and one is very, very false. The very, very false one is the one that I'm seeing everywhere. And the version of that goes that on, I believe it was the bicentennial or thereabouts, or some celebration of something Americana. There were 50 Liberty Bells re, uh, recreations made and sent to all of the states in the United States to commemorate the celebration of whatever we were celebrating. It occurred to somebody that Pennsylvania's already got a Liberty Bell. They got the real deal. So the replicate that was meant for Pennsylvania was sent to Walt Disney World and put on display in the Magic Kingdom. Wrong, 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 wrong. And I, I can't tell you how many places I read this curiously word for word, by the way, which kind of implies a little cut and pasting going on. Um, the real story, as I understand it, hopefully I'm not, this isn't a myth either, is that the Liberty Bell in the Liberty Square was a one-off cast reproduction of the from the original mold that the actual Liberty Bell was made from. And there's only one of its kind, and it was made for Walt Disney World. So there aren't 50 Liberty Bells traveling around the country, and Florida ended up with two of them or something. So there's just the one we got up here and the one that's down in Liberty Square. Um, replicated down to the, the last detail. So when you look at it, no, you're looking at one of two, not one of 51 or 52, depending on how you're counting. So, Go Eagles. Hold on a second. Somebody's going to get all those trivia books back. I need to edit every one of them that's been stolen. <laughs> Why did you have that? No, in there? no, no. Because uh, I've heard that. I, I've heard a lot of different 
variations on that story as well, too. Uh, how Disney World got theirs, it was on loan, they forgot it here, they made an extra one, that, very similar to your story about how Pennsylvania came there, kept the originals, like, ah, we got our own, you keep this one, And We're I fine. believe there is a germ of truth to the 50 Liberty Bell story, I forget exactly what it is, but it's like, as many urban legends are kind of a, a few different stories just kind of came together in a way that spawned another story and people ran with it, but Alas, such is not the case. And I forget what the original story was. but You can now find those other 49 uh, Liberty Bells on eBay. So <laughs> <I'm sure. laughs> I've got the North Carolina Pennsylvania Liberty Bell. They spell Pen- North Carolina right? They spell North Carolina, but Pennsylvania right. But Good. No. All right, so let's... Um, hmm, where do I want to go next? I- I'm going to... Oh, gosh, I've got so many that I, I just want to hit. Um <laughs> Man, well, I only have like two honorable mentions. There's, well, there, there, you know, there's one that I that I think a lot of people know of already, so maybe I shouldn't talk about yeah, it. There's a few I wanted to do, but I felt I think they're more known their myths than they are people actually believe. But, All right, so we'll, we'll but we can go into that later too. That yeah, we'll, we'll we'll touch on that one as well too. All right, so you know what? I'm going to stay in the Magic Kingdom, and, and I'm going to no. No, I'm not. I, I lied. I'm lying to you. That's an urban, an urban a myth. Is I'm going to stay in the Magic Kingdom. I'm going to, um, I'm going to sort of go. Well, man, I'm going to go. I, it's all over the. I'm all over the place, Tim Foster. I'm going to go to Walt Disney. You're like the 50 Liberty Bell. I'm going to go to Walt Disney, and this the is man? something. I'm going to go to the man, Walt Disney. Yeah. All right. And I'm going to one that, um, you almost to a certain degree hate to dispel oh but it's it's so you but i'm going to anyway you got to do it you might you might break my heart i don't know what you're getting i I might break your heart i I might break your heart but the truth will set you free my brother so scared (laughs) i i love look my dad was my hero Right, but Walt Disney is someone who who I admired and look up to, and for so many ways, and he inspires me through so many things he, he's done. And his quotes are often ones that resonate with me. I'm a keep moving forward kind of guy, mm-hmm. and one of the ones that I love, and I think that all of us hear so often, and, and means a lot to us for a lot of different reasons, is if we can dream it, we can do it. Right, and we tell the story about you know. Walt was the dreamer, and, and Roy was the doer, and he did believe in his dreams. And, and we could go to sort of go on and, and wax poetic about that quote from Walt and how inspiring it was and how it wasn't his quote at all. Oh, no. It's true. No? It's true. Oh, no. Don't be, don't be sad. Don't be sad, because I think this... And, and the reason why I wanted to talk about this one is it's not Walt Disney World specific, although you see it on windows and you see it on on things that they sell. I mean, it's one that is mistakenly attributed to Walt Disney. It's propagated by the company itself sometimes, although they've done a lot now to to clarify that in in recent years. But, you know, go on Pinterest or go on the Google or whatever and you type, dream it, you know, if we could dream, we could do it. It's attributed to Walt Disney and it's not. I'm doing it right now. It's not. Tell you what happened. Uh, according to Disney legend and historian and founder of the Walt Disney Archives, Dave Smith, uh, he was told directly by the person who created this line, and it was not Walt Disney. It was actually Imagineer Tom Fitzgerald. Tom Fitzgerald wrote this line specifically for an attraction at Walt Disney World, which was 
Wait, well, I'm I'm reading Google. Oh, but... you're you're on the Google. What? No, Tom, oh, forget it. The, the moment it, no, is No, hit me again. I got this one. I know, I know. Tom Fitzgerald yeah. wrote the line, if we could dream it, or if you can dream it, you could do it, for yeah. what Walt Disney World attraction? Um, uh, the Tower of Terror. Oh, you're awful. He wrote it for Horizons, right? No, really? He wrote it for Horizons. It was used in the song. It was used on yes. graphics. It was used everywhere. And if you even go to some like the Walt Disney, like... Imagining DVDs, they attribute it to Walt Disney, right? So Tom says, look, I'm flattered. I think it's cool that that line is – but he is actually the one who quoted the line. So it's nice that it's attributed to Walt Disney, sort of the idea of, of him saying that. It's certainly, uh, I believe, uh, something that – an ideal that he believed in, but it actually should be attributed correctly to Imagineer Tom Fitzgerald in the Epcot Center attraction, rest in peace, Horizons. That's wonderful. It's 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 why you're it's funny while you're typing that I Google image this, and I'm got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fifteen. Right on my first screen. If you can dream it, you can do it. Did it, Walt Disney? Walt Disney. <laughs> wow. It's, yeah. It probably, wow. Yeah. So. See, I even learned something. That's that's fascinating. Good night, everybody. I'm right. done. So go ahead. I'm move out. on. You move on. <laughs> All right, I well, mean, just so you I'm, know, I need to be clear. Like that is not yeah. meant to sort of disrespect. I don't want anybody to think like I'm I'm taking anything away from Walt Disney or anything like that. I, I, you know, you almost hate the fact that that is true. But it's it's sort of isn't it better that it's clarified? So wait, you know. let me let me pull out a, a good Walt Disney quote to make it make us all feel better. Wait, I'm, I'm not I'm not influenced by the techniques or fashions of any. No. Yeah, that's boring. Okay, so. I'm going to pull us back into the Magic Kingdom. I'm going to preface this. This uh, second to the one I'm going to do last before you do your 152 honorable mentions. These are the big guns coming out. This is a two for one. A two for, okay. Yeah, and I'm going to preface this by saying part of this I just learned today or tried to get to the bottom of today. And I could still be wrong. So I invite you, Lou Manjit, well, not you, but other people, if you have the evidence that proves this, I would love to see it. Or if, Lou, you know of the evidence that proves this, let me know. But here it is. What is the most terrifying ride in all of Walt Disney World? To, I'm normal, asking, to normal humanity or to Tim Foster? To Tim Foster. It's a small world? No, I love It's a Small World. Peter Pan's Flight? No, I love Peter Pan. The Heffalumps and Woozle scene of the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. The Hall of Presidents. You're exactly right. <laughs> so, no, and I, and I must say I love the Hall of Presidents. You mu- everyone must see it. It's fantastic. Overlooked. Great air conditioning. You have to go. Oy. Here's the deal, though. Okay, you walk in. There's actually the, 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 wor- the, the most uh, frustrating part about this urban myth. There's, there's actually many, many variations of it that you'll find. So it's not even – there's – one commonality to it. But the most incorrect version, which I'll share with you, goes something like this. In the, uh, as you enter the Hall of Presidents before you enter the theater, on the floor, in the carpet, you will see the presidential seal of the United States. Disney had to acquire, since this is an official government symbol that's supposed to be only on display in the White House or the Capitol, depending on who you're listening to, 
They had to get special permission via an act of Congress to be able to display the presidential seal in the Hall of Presidents. And it's one of only two places or three places, which I'll get to in a little bit, where the seal actually is. Sound good? So far, go ahead. I'm with you. Couple problems here. First of all, the easiest one to dispel, a lot of people call it the presidential seal of the United States. It is not. It is the great seal of the United States. And it's easy to tell because it says great seal of the United <laughs> States on it, whereas the presidential seal one says presidential seal. Otherwise, they are, the, they are very much identical in terms of the eagle and the arrows and the branch. That's all pretty much the same. It's the wording. But... It isn't the presidential seal. It's the great seal of the United States. So that's the first one. That's the easiest one to correct. And a lot of people do get that mixed up. And it makes sense because you're in the Hall of Presidents. So would, you'd think it would figure the presidential seal would be there. But my limited understanding of what goes on in the White House and stuff, I think that can only be where the president is. So, And I could be wrong on that. But now the second half is what's been getting to me. I've read that over and over Again and again. It's even on my website. I probably put it in the magazine. It's probably in Guide to the Magic for Kids. That might be in your books. The fact that it took an act of Congress or Disney had to receive permission to put this on display. I'm not so sure that that's true. And Lou, I don't know if you know for sure whether that's true or not. Whether you have any idea what I'm talking about. Uh, about the act of Congress? Yes. It, it is one of those stories that you've heard and, and read time and time again from a variety of sources. Now, well, what I did was I decided, well, let's, since I, I was on a kick now of, for this, um, finding out some things that I thought were true that aren't true. And I thought, this sounds like one of those little nuggets of wisdom that I've been taking for granted for so long. So trying to do research, and sure enough, the only reference I can find to this fact are Disney fan websites. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going in, I'm trying to look up, you know, government proclamations and the actual laws for the grits. I'm not getting anywhere. I'm not finding anything that's not somebody on a Disney website repeating it and sometimes repeating it wrong by saying it's, they just needed permission or it was an act of Congress or, or some other variation of it that, which was the first thing made me think there might be something true here. So I... Went from my school days. I actually never did this in school. I called today, Lou Mangiello. I called the Library of Congress and the National Archives. Did you really? And I asked them. I did. I asked them point You're blank. You're so much better prepared for this segment than I, I said, am. <laughs> I said, look, I'm researching a mag- an article. or uh, uh, that, and, and I asked them, is this true? Did, did they need to get permission to put the seal in the Hall of Presidents? And I got on the, the other end. I thought I was nuts. I'm probably on some list now. But, um, but he, he looked. He said, well, I, I can actually search everything. And he said, well, what year are we talking about? And I said, well, I assume it would have to have been you know, 71, 72 in there when they made it. Um, so he searched all through those years everything. He said he can search through records, minutes, laws, built everything. And he said, there's nothing. There's absolutely nothing in here that says that. I said, interesting. I said, do you know actually what the law is about the Great Seal? Can you put it on display? And he looked at that further, and he said, there's not really a whole lot 
about that either. So I, I expressed to him my concern or my thought that this might be an urban legend. And th- this is unofficial. I don't have a stamp from the government that says so. But the <laughs> representative I've talked to said, yeah, I think that's an urban legend. Doesn't sound like I can't find anything that says any you know, thing was done. The closest I've found, if this helps, that there does seem to be a law about if you can't put the Great Seal somewhere to imply that the place you're putting it is somehow an official government building. That's like the only restriction. And I don't think anyone would think that's Disney's claiming the Hall of Presidents as an official, you know, uh, outlet of the National Archives building or anything like that. So from that point of view, they don't need to have permission. So, so from where I sit in my chair, from what I have in front of me, it seems like that's a myth that's sort of busted too. But again, this is me just finding it. If anyone has that piece of information, I would think if it was an act of Congress or something, something somewhere on the books officially says, I do, probably Richard Nixon, I do hereby declare that Walt Disney World is allowed to put the, you know, something that's that Was that your says, tricky dick impression? I'm just curious. That's uh, the most- I, I, okay. I kind of leaned into it, but I didn't want to go <laughs> there because I didn't hurt myself. But that's where it is. So I don't know. I asked you, Lamangelo, do you know, beyond seeing this written every other, everywhere. Tim Foss, you, you, called, the, you called the Library of Congress. Who am I, I to, library, to, to disagree? I went, on, I went on a web chat with a, when, one librarian who probably couldn't be bothered, and she sent me somewhere else. And I actually talked to a human being, which I was amazed with. Yeah, they said no dice. I, I am impressed at the level of research that you go through for now, this. Yeah, that, that I, I think that is good stuff. And somebody pointed out to me, that doesn't mean they didn't circle around in 1978 and decided, hey, we need to take care of this. But you, you Google it, you look for the official thing. Do you, know how, do you know how many people are going to be installing great seals in the front of their houses, like in the foyers right now, oh. that they know that they, don't, that they don't need congressional approval? You know, the, word, the funniest part was I, I Googled, you know, great seal carpet, thinking I might come up with pictures of it in other places that would instantly disprove the it's only in two places. One of the first things that come up, you can buy your own. You can put it in your house. Oh, now it doesn't say Great Steel United States around it, so that might have something to do with it. But the, the Great Steel the Great Steel of Tim Foster and yeah, family. But you can buy a rug with the with the with the hmm. thing on. And I will say by the way, somebody had on their site it can only be as per this legend, it can only be on display in the Hall of Presidents, in the Capitol, and at the Liberty Bell. And I know I've been to Liberty Bell. There's no great seal on the floor at the Liberty Bell. So hmm. I don't know where that came from either. So. But Tim has a great seal throw rug in his bathroom and his guest room downstairs. Now, so a lot of people who have a copy of the document that says so, please let us know. And, and then if, if so, then we can confirm this myth and debust it. But for now, I call it smashed. And I'm saying busted, but that's a copyright trademark of the show. That wow. I, so I don't even – man, how do I, how do I top that? Well, I don't know. I got I got a bigger doozy coming up for the next. You have a bigger doozy. All right. So I was going to go. I I was going to talk about Walt again. I wanted to talk about Walt again in terms of the uh, a legend uh, of the statue. But I'm actually going to. You know what? I'm going to go sneaking into. Okay. Well, I'm not going to touch on it. We may hit that. I may just mention again. I got you. We'll swing you know what? I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go back to the resorts. I'm gonna go back to the resorts. And, and uh, again, this is one that I believed. It made perfect sense. It fit in with the timing and the future technology and just the way how innovative Disney was. And I bought into it 
until very, very recently mm. when some people at Disney have done an exceptional job of debunking this myth about what was our family's favorite resort, because it was one of only three that was there, the Disney's Contemporary Resort. Mm-hmm. The Tempo Bay Hotel, the Contemporary Resort Hotel. The, okay. Yeah, you see, the original yeah. working title, Tempo Bay. Um, the myth, or one of many myths, about the Contemporary Resort is partially true in terms of its unique design, right? It's this A-frame structure that was built, uh, you know, by, by U.S. Steel. And the myth that's half true is the way that it was assembled, right? Mm. These All the rooms were built off-site, right? A few miles away, assembly line workers built rooms for these resorts, like 40 rooms a week. I mean, they were like machines. And what they did was once they built this this steel trust A-frame around like the elevator shafts over for the contemporary, they sort of created this 150-foot-high skeleton. They built these rooms off property, and they were completely assembled, right? Each has was sort of like a freestanding unit that had fixtures and doors and the groovy like red and orange carpets. You guys know what I'm talking about. It had bathroom fixtures, air conditioning. They literally picked them up and slid them into place, right? It was this new design and, and construction technique, sort of a modular design and build. They built the framework. They built the, the rooms offsite, trucked them over, picked them up, slid them into place, Yahtzee, done. So they literally fit in like dresser drawers, right? Nine-ton rooms slid into place like a dresser drawer, fit perfectly. That part is true. The other half is that, well, Disney being so forward-thinking said, well, look, if we can put them in, we can pull them out. So when it comes time to update the resort, we don't have to go through and sort of dec- We literally just, like everything else, you just unscrew them, pull them out, and then slide a new room back in, completely updated, that was built off-site. That is the part that is not true. And again, it, it's not true for it's not true for a, a lot of reasons. Um, it, it just it wouldn't make sense both fiscally and structurally. I mean, think about it too. Just in terms of the building itself, once everything is slid into place, forty years later, that building is settled. Things have shifted you're not going to really be able to unscrew those rooms and pull them back out. That was never really the intent uh, in sort of how they were being um, constructed as sort of being swappable, right? Why wouldn't you just refurbish it, right? It was a, they were meant to, it was a a cost-saving and a construction technique, not so that they could be replaced later on and swapped out like, you know, Something else that you would swap like out. Yahtzee, like Yahtzee. I was like gonna Yahtzee. say, if you think that's how you play Yahtzee, I got a couple <laughs> fifty together in place. So half of that urban legend is true. It was built using that modular con- con- design, but it, you would, you know, I mean, think about it. You would completely, you do so much damage to the structure itself if you tried to slide those out forty years later. So the replaceability of those modular rooms is actually false. And, and big credit to. Um, D23 and the people in the Disney blog and guys like Steve Vagnini, people who are really sort of helping to clarify that because I think for a long, long time that was always the understanding was, well, one day they're just going to start pulling these out and sticking new ones back in again. And that is, of course, not true. Yeah, I'm glad you met because I, I sort of was thinking of that too. And I'm glad you said that. And I think I think the biggest uh, – well, it, 
that's not true anyway. But the the big dent in that rumor is they just redid all the rooms in the contemporary. Right. And they certainly didn't do them by yanking them out and pulling them back in again. And it's not the first time they've been redone since 1971. Because well, well, true. I remember I what miss- the carpet used to look like at the Fiesta Fun Center and in the rooms. And they had those funky plastic the- chairs. And Remember the I big remember the maps George on the walls? They had cool- yeah, they had the cool maps on the walls. And uh, anyway. Now it's just like I'm in New York. <laughs> so do you, what I- else do you got? Do you have anything else? I got a big one. Oh, I right. got a one. I got a one and a one egg. So I'm going to sneak one in because I know you're going to anyway. <laughs> this is a sort of a mini MythBuster. This is actually sort of a pet peeve of mine, if you will. But this, this is um, uh, we're going to Adventureland. Not too far away. We're going to skip over to Adventureland. The first one, uh, the little one, I'm going to talk about first is an Adventureland Frontierland thing. Uh, it's a hidden Mickey thing, and I know how you feel about hidden Mickey's, Lou. They're they're really there, and they're okay. Uh, but there's a common one that gets cited all the time by fans and sometimes even cast members, and they're the padlocks that you see all over the place, whether it's on Pirates of the Caribbean or within Frontierland itself. Anywhere there's a rusty gate or an old gate in any part of that park, uh, part of the Magic Kingdom, there's inevitably a lock. And these locks are sort of roundish, and they have sort of two bulges on the top where the the locky thing comes out. I don't know what you call that thing. Um, and people swear that that's a hidden Mickey. And with all apologies to my dear, dear friend and yours, Steve Barrett, he has it listed in his site. But to his credit, I know Steve includes it but with a little wink of the eye because he doesn't really buy it either and it always bugged me because they don't look like mickey mouse at all or they do in a very vague sense but even worse if you if you google or bing or whatever you want to do if you google ancient padlocks and you find padlocks from the 1700s 1600s 1800s they're all that design so unless mickey mouse was born in the year 1222 with a don't think happened if I have my history right, then those padlocks are not hidden Mickeys, though, given not to the Imagineers and that they are accurately detailed to the time period, and that should be good enough. But the idea that they're hidden Mickeys, I, no, they're not. So stop saying they are. Stop putting them on and listen. Right, that's my pet peeve. That's out of the way. That's fine. I know I just ruined your day. No, I, I, you know, I, I like the fact that you did your research once again. I'm a little concerned that you were using Bing, but that's fine. Um, well, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to imply that I'm advertised <laughs> for the big G, so we share the love. So. All right, so I, I'm going to do this. My gonna... big one's coming. I, so. Oh, that's not your big one. All right, I'm, no, I'm, that's not my big one. Because I think that's like your seventh one, so you're, no, you're really going I'm, to town I'm, on this. I'm, Pulling a Mangello here. All right, I'm going to give you my last sort of official one before I give oh, okay. you the, you the honorable to... mention, the honorable mentions. But I have the honorable mentions categorized, so there's I a reason why I segregate them I out. Prize winner. You, we're we're you... going to go. We're going to we're going to break from the Magic Kingdom and Epcot. I, I want to give a little bit of love. Well, I'm going to stay in the Magic Kingdom too. I guess I'm going to give a little love to the studios as well too. Oh, and we're going to go over to uh, a ride that you often find too too scary for you as well. But it's the great movie ride. Not just the pretty good movie ride, but the great movie ride. 
I love that ride. I know. And as frightened as you get at the Casablanca scene, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you're the first one to stand up and go, that's the plane from the movie, right? That's the plane. That's really the plane. I'm going to tell you. Lou, I'm going to tell you. That's the plane from the movie. It that's was a bogey's hat. Set. See it, it on the screen, but that's the real deal. And again, it is. And it's you know what? It's because yeah. you have you are a pathological liar and you oh. like lying to children <laughs> because you know full well, uh, right, that the plane yeah. of the great movie ride was not the one used in Casablanca. Oh. By the same token, hmm. the back half of the plane mm-hmm. that it, that exists in the Jungle Cruise is yeah. also not from Casablanca. What? There was no plane in Casablanca. In fact, what? the plane used in Casablanca was made of wood. The studios where they filmed over at Warner Bros., where they filmed Casablanca, was not big enough to to house a full-size Lockheed Electra 12A plane. So they made a fake one. They covered it with fog. They did a lot of uh, forced perspective, things like that. It was actually used in other films as well, too. It was a prop. So when Disney wanted to create the great movie ride, they could not go and buy the plane used in the film because there was no plane. So what they did was they they got this Lockheed 12A plane. They used the front half for the great movie ride. The back half, which was chopped off, at first was part of the studio backlot tour for a little while, then eventually made it over to the Jungle Cruise right by the hippo pool. So... It um, never used in film. Never used well, in film. I, I never saw Casablanca. So. I, I, have you ever seen the great movie Ride? Yeah, that I've seen. That, that scene is my whole exposure to Casablanca, which I think is just the black and white version of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Is that yeah, right? It's, ex- it's exactly what it was. Okay. It was a prequel. It was a prequel to Raiders Bro, of the okay. Lost Ark. Yeah. Well, that makes sense because that was in the... Oh, yeah. Right. All right, move on, please. Okay. All right, this one is... I, I hate to do this to this because this is such a wonderful story. Um, this is in Pirates of the Caribbean. And again, this is a fact that's ev- absolutely everywhere. It's in your books. It's in my books. It's still probably on both of our websites. Um, it has to do with the chess match going on between the two skeletons that you see in the queue as you enter the building. And the story goes, they've been there an awfully long time, as you can tell. And legend has it that the arrangement of pieces on the chessboard are actually arranged in a stalemate position, meaning that neither player, that they'll keep making the same moves forever and ever and ever. There's no way to win the game. Hence why they're still there sitting there. It's a wonderful story. It's a great uh, piece of the puzzle that goes with the whole Pirates of the Caribbean theme and experience and so forth. And at one time it was true, I think, and I'll come back to that. Unfortunately now, it isn't true. And I just happened to stumble upon it because, <coughs> personal confession, I rock at checkers. I stink at chess. <laughs> I'm not bad. I have one move. I can checkmate you in three moves as long as you do exactly what you need me to do. Beyond that, I'm toast. So <clears throat> I was trying to learn you know, how to do how to play and all that kind of stuff. And I thought, well, wouldn't it be cool if I could get the arrangement of chessboard pieces that's actually in the Pirates of the Caribbean, stick it in on this website where you can uh, l- program a certain layout of a board and play from there. So 
I have a bunch of pictures of it, so I grabbed one of the pictures. And it was pretty clear. I could see where all the pieces were. So I put them all on the chessboard, and even I, in my novice experience as a chess player, saw real quick that one of the players, Black probably, could win right away. And sure enough, I programmed it, and it's like it, it, there's a million ways the one player can mate the other one. It wasn't even close. So I said, well, that's interesting. And <clears throat> I looked in my photos and found older ones and saw that the chess pieces weren't even in the same place. And now they're in the age of the Internet, and <clears throat> nothing is hidden from the audience. You can find any number of pictures of the chessboard, and you can see most of them have different arrangements, meaning that what's going on is that as cast members are re Cleaning doesn't seem to be quite the right word, but <clears throat> taking care of the area that the chess pieces have been moved around over the years and are being put back in any old fashion. So uh, most likely when you visit now, unless by some random coincidence they happen to be that way, if you look at the chessboard, the arrangement there is in no means in a state of perpetual stalemate by any means. Now the part of the story that seems uh, – like that should be true is that it, um, at one point when they were doing a cleaning, they moved the chess pieces, but nobody made a note of where they were in the first place. But they knew it was important where they were because the because the whole idea of the perpetual stalemate, and they didn't know what to do until somebody found an old sketch of uh, by Mark Davis of where the pieces are actually supposed to go, and having that. Now at their disposal, they could put the pieces back. And I think the story was that's taped underneath the board just in case something goes awry. <clears throat> and I'm curious about that, though, because I, I kind of Googled around to try to find that sketch. And I think I found what it was. And it may be stalemate. Again, I'm a really bad chess player. But um, I think it's stalemate if one of the players makes this move. If they do another move, it could go any which way. So I, I don't even know. I'm sure the intent was there originally that it's stalemate, and it might very well be, and I'm just just stupid, but I kind of put a question mark on the first part, but definitely today, whatever was true once is a last true no more. Well, I'm happy you mentioned the Mark Davis story, because that is always what I had heard, was that the the yeah. the layout, <laughs> he was a master chess player, and he had sort of uh, you know uh, put the, the pieces in a stalemate position. And at some point, they found like his sketch on the back of a napkin. So it was a very romantic story like that, and they were able to put the pieces back. I I'm happy that at least is true or appears to still be true. I, I don't know the first thing about chess, so I couldn't tell you if, if they were in the right <laughs> well, place. Well, we'll play that after our Yahtzee game. I'll, uh, right, and then we'll play poker, you. and then we'll see how the, the oh, night great. plays out. Um, but I, I think that is a, a very cool one because I think that is one of the ones. I will tell you this, and yeah. I believe that this is still true. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you know this or not. Um, the two pirates that are sitting there, one of those pirates is wearing, or I believe still is wearing, a white sort of uh, bandana, like a, a head bandana. Mm -hmm. And on the side of his head that you cannot see, one of the Imagineers, a cast member, whoever it may be, was allegedly, and I've seen a photo of this, doctored or not, I've seen a photo. Um, one of the, these people was a football fan. Because on the side of his head that you cannot see, it reads J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Oh, I've got to kill you. 
So um, I don't know if that is still there. I but think I, I heard uh, that. Yeah, too, I, I've seen a picture. I can I, see if I, I can find it. I could be wrong somewhere. in the chest. The Mark Davis sketch I found, I have no idea if that's actually this sketch. I mean, it, it actually wasn't much of a sketch. It looked pretty good, but it was specific with, you know, pieces need to be in this place. But it wasn't a sketch on the back of a napkin or anything. So that makes me think maybe what I found wasn't right either. That, I think, that I think you found a sketch by Betty Davis, not Mark Davis. Big difference. Oh. <laughs> so, that explains so, the So was that your big one? Was that um, – was That, that the, was the big kahunga. All right. So for, for, for the sake of time um, – got a couple little ones. I have but, a couple little ones too, and I, I'm going to hit those too. And I'm going to – the one I was going to talk about with Walt Disney – actually referred to the partner statue. Right? There's a lot of myths about the partner statue in terms of the ring, his tie tack. We know those, right? We know about the Clado. We know about Smoke Tree Ranch. One of the big myths is what is Walt pointing to? Or who is Walt Ooh. pointing to? Is he Ooh. pointing to Roy? Is he pointing to the train station? Is he pointing Ooh. to Epcot? Is he pointing to Mickey? Is he pointing to the churro cart? I'm Ooh. not going to tell you. I'm going to instead refer you back to show number 219, Jim Corcus and I spent an entire episode on that single statue. We talk about Blaine Gibson. Oh, we talk about on. Marty Sklar, John Hench, the tie tack, the point, other incarnations of the statue, what it was supposed to look like and didn't. Show 219 from April of 2011. I'll try and link it up in the show notes. But I do want to hit uh, a couple of other ones, right? And, and I, think, I, I think, Tim, too, there's a lot of those that – we, as Disney fans, we hear about and we know not to be true, right? And, and forgive me if I take mm-hmm. anything away from you. I, I don't mean to. Yep, that's fine. Are you, uh, are you going to talk about the Haunted Mansion at all? No, but I figured it would come up, but that was kind of falling into the category. I think everybody knows right. these are legends already, but go ahead and... Right. and you know and, that yeah. of the singing busts in the Haunted Mansion, Walt's face is not one of those busts. Yeah, it's the one that fell over. It's, no, it's Thurl it Ravenscross. Who's Thurl, Thurl Ravenscross? Tony the Tiger... Country Bear Jamboree, Lady and the Tramp, oh. nothing. It's not even not ringing a bell. It's not oh. Walter. Wait, wait, he, he, the, the Grinch. <laughs> You're a mean one, Mr. Yeah. Mister. Um, no, see, that's one I think everybody kind of, I don't so know. The, I, I did have a couple other ones, and I did sort of box these out into like little mini subcategories. And one of them, and then you can hit me with some of yours too, are Please. some of these urban legends that maybe were once true, or maybe we necessarily can't confirm it, but are no longer true anymore. Ooh. And one of my favorites, and, and, I'm, and I'm disappointed because I'm nostalgic and I like the simple things at Walt Disney World. One of the ones are the paintbrushes on Tom Sawyer Island. Right? Uh-oh. Do you remember? You remember these, right? Tom Sawyer uh-huh. has got the caves and the fort and the barrel bridge. And it used to be that, especially if you went early in the morning, if you found... One of Tom's paintbrushes on Tom Sawyer Island, you would get a bonus fast pass. That was not myth. That was true. And what started to happen was it was meant so that kids could find it. They would get a little reward and you'd get your little fast pass for Splash or Big Thunder. It became a quest, a quest for fun. Adults ruined it for the kids, right? Adults ruined it for the kids because adults were going over there first thing in the morning, wrapping up all the, the, the paintbrushes that the cast member had hidden the morning before, the night before. Uh-oh. Uh, so around 2012, or maybe maybe early 2013, uh, they no longer hide 
hid. They no longer hide or hid, hid. any of squirrel the paintbrushes. Away. They no longer squirrel away um, any of the hidden paintbrushes. And there was, a, you know, I, I loved it because they sort of had this whole story like, like, you know, Tom has to whitewash Aunt Polly's fence to complete his chores, but he, you know, he lost some of the brushes on the island. So if you find it, bring it back to the raft driver, only one brush per family. Like, so it was really cool how they sort of tied it in. But unfortunately, uh, it was taken away. So the paintbrushes on Tom Sawyer Island, um, if you ever found one, you, you were able to find a piece of Walt Disney World history. Um, a, another one. Well, that, I got changed. I got changed my website. I, have it gotta, <laughs> I know. Well, listen, you know, and you, know, you put out a book. It's, the day the book comes out, it's already oh, out of date. It's right already now. out of date. So um, another one, and this one got a, a ton of play, like in the past nine to 12 months or so. Uh, especially not just in Walt Disney World or in Disneyland, uh, there were little memes and little pictures of Woody and Dre- and Jesse from Toy Story in the parks uh, over at the Magic Kingdom. Oh, I know where you're going with this. Right. I, got yelled, I got yelled at for this. Well, one. it wouldn't be the first time. Yeah. It wouldn't be the first or last time you got yelled and or tasered and or arrested. It yeah, used yeah, yeah. to be, and the urban legend was, that if you walked over to Woody and Jesse and you yelled, Andy's coming – that the characters would drop to the floor as if Andy was coming and they had to act like they were just, you know, uh, non-living toys. Uh, if they did or did not, it, we, you know, they used to definitely do it in Disneyland and sometimes here at Walt Disney World. They do not do that anymore. Um, it, it do not, they do not do it anymore. So you can go and... Do, they do not do that anymore. They do not do that anymore. <laughs> I got um, yelled at. One of my daughter's friends, two of her friends, I'm proud to say, are now college... Disney cast, whatever they call them. College so program. now work at Disney World. And I mentioned this offhandedly to one of uh, her friends, and she got mad at me. She goes, they don't do that. They can't do that. It's a safety violation. That's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. So not only is it a safety violation, but I, I thought about it in terms of this. You know, let's just say you're walking by, you're having a nice day in the park with your kids, and there you are holding little Timmy's hand. And little Timmy's like, oh, look, Daddy, it's Woody and Jesse. And all they do is they see them drop to the floor. It could be. It, it uh, would be a little. It would right. Yeah. It would torment them the same way it, it would probably torment you. Now, I have seen kids yell "squirrel" at, at Doug, and he turns around. But um. that, well, they, I mean, I think that works for you too. All right, two other yeah. quick ones that. Um, well, let me sneak one in at some point. Uh, okay, well, go, ahead, all right. go ahead. All right, I'll give you one more quick one. I'll give me one more because yeah. I, I think this is one that still may be true, right? And people, I get this question all. I have never done it before. I might have to to prove it for myself, and I'll have to video if it to be true. Um, you know, believe it or not, Tim Foster, there yeah. are ways to do and get and, dare I say, eat things for free at Walt Disney World. I don't mean like what you do. I don't mean rifling through the garbage pails. I mean you could actually get it for free. I just follow Give you me. around and pick up the scraps. <laughs> there's, you know me. There's never any scraps. Oh. The myth is over at the Toluca Lake. I can't even talk tonight. I'm thinking about food. Over at Toluca Lake, over on Sunset Boulevard at Disney's Hollywood Studios, you can get a free turkey leg. And in order to do this, is you've got to go to the window and gobble like a turkey. (laughs) (laughs) And so the myth is they do it once a day, or I've heard once per hour, and if it's once it's given away, it's done I have been told that this is in fact true. If you gobble like a turkey at Toluca Lake Turkey Company and you are that one or that first one in that hour, they will give you a free turkey leg. There is a video in the future. I will have to test this theory to be true. (laughs) 
pay you money to do. <laughs> I heard they do that at the at the, at the, at the launching pad. You too. call the Library of Congress. I gobble like a turkey. <laughs> That's funny. I never heard that one. Here's one I heard, and and I I don't know the particulars of this, but um. Uh, one of the nights when I was trying to watch Illuminations and you were chattering away and you were making me miss my crying moment, um, the uh, well-known story, which is true, is that the Morocco Pavilion is not lit up during Illuminations due to the religious significant buildings. And, and that is indeed true. Uh, but as I was watching Illuminations, I looked around as the other pavilions were lighting up and I noticed, well, the Norway one isn't lighting up either. What's the deal? And I found out that for similar reasons, the Norway Pavilion doesn't get lit up either, but it's not mentioned in the same breath when Morocco is mentioned. So they should both be mentioned. But Morocco is the one that's pointed out everywhere. So I just throw that out there. That's it. That, that's, 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 it. <laughs> that's a good one. That is a good one. It's, it's right. an addendum. It's not great. A, it's, not a, it's not busting a not myth. Not thrilling, it's... but nice. Yeah. So, all right, here's a couple of ones. It's not like you gobbling like a turkey <laughs> in the middle of Hollywood Boulevard. So there are some that are funny, too, right? There are some urban legends that are, are <laughs> funny, right? We hear these stories, and you're like, come on, man. You know that this is not – this definitely can't be true, um, and some that are just not true at all. And I, and one of the ones that, that I love hearing about uh, is – and maybe it was true, but obviously the urban legend is is sort of in the, – the, the funny is in the story itself – uh, about the woman that sued the Walt Disney Company mm. because of, and it's probably not the first nor the last time that they'll be sued, but she sued the Walt Disney Company because of the major physical and psychological trauma that she suffered uh-huh. as she rode down to Sea Base Alpha on the hydrolators. Because clearly, <laughs> as she was descending, <laughs> she got like the bends and got inner ear. Pro- Wait. What? Well, my ears popped all the time on that. I know what she's talking well, about. That, listen, That's that killer. In, that inch and a half to two inches that the hydrolators actually moved, I can see why. Wait, chances what? Are, chances are the, the story of the lawsuit itself is probably false, but either way, it's a funny story. Right? You, you so love funny. hearing stuff like that. So whether whether she really did sue or not, I think it's a it's a, one of those funny stories that, you know, who cares if it gets propagated or not anymore? I think it's hysterical. What else you got? Anything else? Uh, I don't know. I, only that, uh, in, as I was doing my calculator thing, and I could be wrong here, but this idea that a spaceship Earth were a golf ball, the guy who's hitting it would be like a mile and a quarter high. Right. I, I did the math. He'd be two miles high. The guy who'd hitting the if that was a golf Such ball. Such a nitpick. Why can't he be a little? Guy, look, maybe if the, the guy has got is hitting the golf ball was size they said he was. He'd be like four foot seven. Hell, uh. And I know that and? looms. I know to you. <laughs> You're I'm hitting close to home here, brother. I'm just telling I'm you. I'm talking about a regularly proportional. Oh, wait a second. <laughs> You, Wait, no, I'm not. You need to stop to... going down this rabbit hole, man, because you're digging yourself deeper. <laughs> I don't, I'm not making any reference to anyone in particular. I'm just saying that it's not like, like Mickey Mouse is a short little fellow. It's, you, you know, it, what? Might, it might be like for him, if Mickey Mouse was in a golf ball, that would be the size. But, but again, the real number is impressive. He's almost, you're almost when, like when a used, mile and a half. High. When I used to be a lawyer, I clerked Uh-oh. for a judge. I clerked for the presiding judge in Essex County for the year. And one of the things, the nuggets of wisdom that I, I gleaned from her, I want to impart to you, my friend. <laughs> learn uh. when to stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> I take it all. I take it all 
I take it all back. Oh God! So yeah, and look, there's Churros. there are, there are a ton more, right? There, there's a ton more. Uh, you know, the cast member saying good morning to George at Pirates of the Caribbean. The yeah. fact that that the the reason why the parks opened, the reason why that all the Disney parks opened on October first was because that was the day that Walt Disney was dishonorably discharged from the army. What? It's, yeah, it's I wrong. <laughs> so, and don't forget that. Hollywood Studios opened May 1st. Animal Kingdom opened April 22nd. Walt Disney was not dishonorably discharged from the Army because he was in the Ambulance Corps, the Red Red Cross. Um, He's also not frozen. He's not under the castle. His head is not under Pirates of the Caribbean. He's not in some... Forgot about that one. Yeah. He was cremated and buried at Forest Lawn Memorial Park in Glendale, California, where he remains in eternal peace. Disney neophytes, like people who don't really know Disney that well and I talk to they they do believe that and I do I it's amazing how many people I've corrected on that I, oh, I, oh you know Disney's Walt, Walt Disney's head is under is frozen right no no, no they no. don't normally sound like that but they do say they say look it makes hey, sense right? be surprised. Walt, <laughs> you know Walt Disney was a futurist and he believed that they would be able to thaw him he would thaw himself out and that's why he invested in you know like it's like they know for a fact 527,324 stones in Cinderella. They know for a fact he's cryogenically frozen. Well, you're going to you're gonna really laugh when you're walking down the Magic Kingdom and Walt turns around the corner and says, I heard what you were saying about me, and I didn't say this. If you can dream it, you can do it stuff. So, so there. I, wanna, I, I, have, I have a question. Yes. Not for you, but for oh. the listeners. I want to know what their favorite urban legend is. What's their favorite myth? That's been busted or not busted. Maybe something we haven't even talked about. What's the thing that they hear? They're like, hey, isn't it true that blah, 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 right? I want to know. So I want you to come by the website. Go to WDWRadio.com, unless you're driving. Wait till you get home or Mm -hmm. the office. Go to the website, WWRadio.com. Click on the podcast link. Look for this week's episode and comment there in the show notes. You click on the episode number. You can leave a comment there. You can also come by Facebook.com slash WDWRadio. You can leave a comment there over on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, MySpace, FriendFeed, Prodigy, Bulletin Board System, wherever it is that you're comfortable talking about it, we will be there. And then once you're done with all that, and you've had dinner and you're tired and you have nothing else to do, I want you to go over to GuideToTheMagic.com and Celebration. Celebrationspress.com? Celebrationspress.com. Oh, you're all one big happy the, married family now, right? Pretty much. Celebrations Press. And you can come to our Facebook page as well, which I think is Facebook slash Celebrations oh, yeah. I don't go on Facebook at all. But uh, one would never know that by the way you just described it. A Facebook slash celebration dot My status my status right now is enter your status here. <laughs> That's my status. <laughs> so but yeah, celebrationspress.com and uh, yell at yell at me too. If you could debunk one of my debunkings, let me know. Yeah, I want to hear from you guys. And what are some of the ones we forgot about? What I'm sure there's ones that we forgot about along the way too. Um, this was a lot of fun. I really had a lot of fun, um, other than the fact that I now have to worry about going to gobble like a turkey. Tim Foster, we've got many. We've got a top ten list of top ten lists that we have to cover oh, yeah. on upcoming episodes. Got some really fun stuff that I want to go through with you. Um, this is always a blast. And um, unlike I learned the, something, and I unlike learned the something. Yeti and 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 the Chupacabra and the Jersey Devil, you oh. well, the Jersey Devil, the Jersey Devil. Yeah, that's not real either. Don't hit me with it. Yeah, but that, I, I'm a, that, that's a hockey thing. Never mind. 
the hockey people will understand. Oh, please, that, nobody watches hockey. That's an, that's, an, that's an urban legend right there that anybody actually watches hockey. <laughs> well, I don't know what it is to have a Super Bowl written, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> For our Walt Disney World trivia question of the week, I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World history. We'll see how well you pay attention to the details and what you see, or possibly what you hear. Maybe this week, even in what you smell. I'll select one winner randomly from all the correct entries for a chance to win a Disney prize package. Before we get to this week's question, let's go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last week we were talking about journey into imagination. I asked you a very simple question, which was: in the current incarnation of the attraction. What does Figment become? What does he turn into in the Smell Lab slot machine? And again, hundreds of you got this one correctly because you know that as you go through the Imagination Institute, you go through the five labs based on the five human senses, sight, sound, smell, touch, and taste. And you know that in the Sound Lab, you go into complete darkness and hear the train oncoming. The Sight Lab, you see the materializing butterfly with a lot of optical illusions. And in the Smell Lab, Figment becomes a skunk and he sprays the riders after he becomes a skunk in a slot machine with that skunk smell, which is actually burnt coffee. So again, congratulations and thanks to all of you that got this one correctly. You were playing last week for a copy of my new book, 102 Ways to Save Money for and at Walt Disney World, and all six of my audio walking tours of the Magic Kingdom. And last week's winner, randomly selected, is... Lisa Danella. So, Lisa, congratulations. I will send you an email with links so you can download the books and the audio tours. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So, tonight, when I'm recording the show, is Oscar night in Hollywood, and it's obviously celebrated and enjoyed around the world. Also hoping it's going to be a big year for Disney. Unfortunately, Saving Mr. Banks didn't get any nominations, but Get a Horse was nominated for Best Animated Short, and we're all hoping and maybe expecting Let It Go to win for the best song from Frozen, which is also up for Best Animated Feature. And obviously, Disney's history with the Oscars goes way back and begins not just with a mouse, but with Walt himself. And as you may know, Walt Disney holds the record for most individual Academy Awards won and most nominations, including special and technical awards. Originals and replicas have been on display over at Disney's Hollywood Studios, and 26 of the awards, including the honorary award for Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, are on display over at the Walt Disney Family Museum in San Francisco. So your question this week is, what did Walt Disney win his very first Oscar for? You have until 11.59 p.m. on Sunday, March 9th, to email your answer to contest at wdwradio.com. You'll once again be playing for all six of my virtual audio walking tours of the Magic Kingdom and a copy of my 102 Ways to Save Money for and at Walt Disney World book. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks so much for taking the time and tuning in this and every week. In addition to the podcast, which you can subscribe to and please rate and review over on iTunes, be sure and visit the website at www.radio.com for tons more Disney content, including blogs, videos, newsletter, free app for your iPhone, Android, or Windows device, 
There's also our fun, family-friendly discussion forums. And also be sure and tune in every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern for WDW Radio Live, a live interactive video broadcast and chat where I discuss the week's Walt Disney World news and then a little bit of anything else. You can watch, chat, interact, and be part of the show. Again, that's every Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern over at www.radiolive.com. If you have a question you want answered on the show, you can email me at lou at wwradio.com. Or if you want to be heard on the air, you can call the voicemail with a question, a comment, or just a hello from the parks, 407-900-9391. Or if you visit the website at wdwradio.com, you can click on the Send Lou a Voicemail button on the right-hand side and leave me a voicemail right from your computer. You can also connect with me on Twitter. I'm at Lou Mangello and facebook.com slash WDWRadio, or my personal profile is facebook.com slash Mangello. As much as I love connecting with you virtually, nothing beats a handshake and a hug, so visit the events page at WDWRadio.com. We have upcoming meets of the month in Walt Disney World. Our next is going to be Saturday, March 22nd for breakfast and a Muppet movie. The Muppets Most Wanted meet of the month. We're going to have breakfast at Earl of Sandwich, then go to the first showing of Muppets Most Wanted over at the AMC Downtown Disney 24 Theaters. There's also other events coming up throughout the year, both in Walt Disney World. We have our cruise on the Disney Dream in August and our pre-cruise event. Other events on the events page as well, too. Be sure and check it out on the website over on Facebook. Also, I'll be doing some other meetups not in Walt Disney World. I'll be speaking at a number of conferences and schools throughout the year. I'll be speaking at Social Media Marketing World in San Diego, March 26th through the 28th, and at Podcast Movement in Dallas, Texas, August 16th through the 17th. I'll probably have some meetups while we're there as well. To find out more information, you can visit my other website, loumangelo.com. You can also find out how to book me to speak either at your conference or your business conference or at your school. Also, stay tuned for other events in the coming months as well. A quick thanks to my partners and sponsors, including Mouse Fan Travel. They are my official and recommended travel provider, whether you're coming out to Disney World, Land, or you want to come out to Dallas or San Diego, they can help you out there as well, too. You can subscribe and order back issues of Celebrations Magazine over at celebrationspress.com. And finally, all I ask, my friends, and you are my friends, whether we have met yet or not, is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Share links on Facebook. Come by and comment there as well, or Pinterest or Instagram. And please come by, rate and review the show and app over on iTunes. And most importantly, I want to say a sincere thank you to each and every one of you for taking the time to tune in and listen and email and connect with me in so many different ways. I am so grateful that you allow me to share my love and passion for Disney in so many ways with you. And I want you to do the same thing, right? So ask yourself, what's really important to you? And then have the wisdom and the courage and the faith to build your life around your answer. And as Walt said, always keep moving forward. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a great week. So until next time, see ya. Hi, Lou. This is Rob Dio from Ontario, Canada. Wanted to give a quick shout out to you to say how much I love your show and everything you do for the Disney community and hoping one day that I get a chance to meet up with you. It'd be really cool to actually get on your show as a guest speaker. I think that would be an awesome segment to add to your lineup to have fans and listeners actually on the show discussing all things Disney with you. Anyway, until the day we get a chance to meet face-to-face, keep doing what you're doing. Take care. Bye. Hi, Lou. This is uh, Mike Coran calling from up in Minnesota. I just wanted to uh, drop a quick message down to you to tell you how much over the last month 
six weeks, I've enjoyed, and my family has enjoyed listening to the podcast. My wife has been a long-time listener, but um, introduced it to me here just after the first of the year, and I've been kind of hooked listening to the older podcasts along with the newer ones. And I just wanted to call and say how much I've enjoyed that and actually watching on Wednesday night um, on the live show. Uh, we're going to be RVing down here on Friday. Uh, my wife, my son, his girlfriend, my mother, and my sister. And we're going to be at Bay Lake Towers for four nights and Beach Club for four nights and taking the RV then to Fort Wilderness for the last four nights down. Looking forward to escaping the Minnesota weather and getting down that way. Um, really going to enjoy looking forward to the tips you've been giving on the podcast and things, the top five snacks in Epcot and Magic Kingdom and um, some of your other ideas that I've picked up through the shows. So um, we'll be missing the March meet of the month, but maybe we'll run into you somewhere around the parks or around the beach club or something like that, and I'll uh, maybe give a call in from Adventureland while I'm enjoying the Citrus Swirl down there and let you know how that's going. So, again, Lou, I appreciate the show. Uh, it's really been fun this year, anticipating coming down and listening to the podcast. And all the best to you. Keep up the good work. Thank you. You've got